If this is your first time, welcome. Just to let you know, RUF is a community of people trying to figure out what it is, what it means, what it looks like to love Jesus and to love others. And, um, and so we get together every Wednesday night and open God's Word and, and look at it and listen to it and think about it together. And so this semester, uh, we've been looking at the story of Abraham. Abraham uh, is a guy in the Old Testament, one of the most significant characters in all of the Bible. And, uh, and so you may be wondering, why in the world are you talking about Abraham? And so just to give you a few reasons, uh, one thing that I hope you walk away with, we've only got one more week, so if you, if you don't in the next couple of weeks... That's, that's no good, right? Because we only get one more week. Anyway, um, one of the things I hope you get is like the story of the Bible the, is one grand story. And so what I hope you see is that the Old Testament and the New Testament are connected. They are linked. Um, one's not really better than the other, but it's one grand story of God rescuing broken people. Uh, another thing is that you... When you get into the Old Testament, there's all these characters. They're like, and we kind of consider them heroes of the faith. But when you look at their life, like you really look at it, they're actually real messed up people. Um, and so the reason you want to look at these stories is um, it's going to teach you a lot about the Bible. I think you're going to learn a ton. I think you're going to get to know Jesus, maybe even know more about Jesus and understand him better by looking at the story of Abraham. Um, but you're also going to be reminded there is only one hero in the Bible. There's only one, and that's God. And so, the last thing is that from beginning to end, the message of the Bible is the same, and that is people are saved by faith alone, no matter where you are in it. And so, I hope those are the things that we've been hitting on, and in fact, we're going to hit on those tonight, because I surprised you last week we were in Matthew, which the story of Abraham, you're like, wait, I thought we were, that's Old Testament stuff, that's Genesis. Uh, well, Abraham's story continues. In fact, God makes all these promises to Abraham, and they're actually not fulfilled until many of them until we get to the New Testament. In fact, some of the promises God made to Abraham, he's still fulfilling right now. You're a great picture of that. Like God told Abraham, you're going to bless all the families of the earth. And here we are, 6,000 years later, maybe, um, thinking about God, listening to his word. And so he keeps his promises. Tonight we're in Galatians. Galatians. Now some of you are like, what is that? Who is that? It's not a person, it's a place. Galatia. Uh, It's in the New Testament. Uh, I think it's maybe the seventh, eighth book of the New Testament. You probably got the passage in front of you. Uh, It's written by this guy named Paul. If you're new to the Bible, Paul was converted by Jesus and um, literally... And, uh, and was given like a special task. And one of the things that Paul does throughout his ministry is he writes what becomes probably at least a third of the New Testament. This guy named Paul. He was a gnarly dude. Um, and so we're looking at a letter he wrote to these Christians in Galatia. And so chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Uh, and we're going to try to cover as much as we can. There's so much here. Um, we're going to just do the best we can, right? One guy... One of my favorite preachers, a guy named Tim Keller, he did one sermon on verse 8, just verse 8 of what we're looking at tonight. And so we've we got a lot of ground to cover, if that gives you any indication of what, this is a lot of stuff here. All right, so let's start in verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, it's a real nice way to warm things up. 
Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit? You can think of that. Did you, were you saved? You can think of it that way. Um, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law, or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God... Oh, Abraham's showing up. Whoa, what's going on? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, we are all Gentiles, by the way, it's all people that are not Jewish. Um, God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, uh, would you teach us now? Would you be our teacher? Would you help us? Um, wow, lots to unpack. We won't even begin to scratch the surface. It's what's so great about your word. I pray that though uh, tonight we would walk away with some, some real encouragement, uh, some real hope, uh, that we would walk away with a real clear picture of what you came to do and how that is great news for us sinful, broken people who need a Savior. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I grew up. I grew up in a, a small town, small town in northeast Alabama, along the Tennessee River. And uh, even though it was like the Bible Belt, I mean, it's like by, there's churches everywhere. Um, I, did, I was, I don't know how I did this. I, I feel like I should get an award. Um, I did not go to church growing up. Yes, I was like one of the ten in my town. We didn't we didn't pretend to be religious. Like we didn't my family like we didn't talk about Christianity. We didn't talk about Jesus. We didn't read the Bible. We didn't do any of those things, right? Um, and my parents were great parents. I love them. They were fantastic. Uh, I actually look back and they really portrayed so much about Jesus and the gospel uh, just by bearing God's image and the way they loved me and sacrificed for me. But we didn't pretend to be religious. We didn't go. Occasionally, I had a couple aunts. You know, you got those couple relatives that are, like, real religious, and they rope you in. I had a couple of those. They're, I love them. They're awesome. I didn't love it then. I was like, seriously, church? Oh, man. So anyway, didn't go to church, right, until the summer before ninth grade. So the summer before ninth grade, a cute girl asked me, to go to church with her. It's not Jessica. Um, and so this cute girl asked me to go to church with her, and I was like, absolutely. All the dudes know, because half of you have probably done it. I was like, yeah, I'll go to church. I'll go anywhere you want to go. Um, and so, like, I started going to church every time the doors were open. I was like, hey, it's fancy seeing you here. Um, I mean, I was about to get real spiritual. Um, 
And so anyway, she and I had a great little summer fling. Uh, we went to church a lot. We made out a lot. <laughs> and um, we did. Terrible. And so anyway, right? And so here's what happened. We obviously, like most... Jessica's laughing. She knows all my stories. I, we have nothing to hide. She knows the girl, actually. Oh! All right, so anyway, like most high school relationships, though, it did not last, right? I got to ninth grade. I was like, whoa, I can't be tied down, dude. You know, it's like, I got to be a free man up in this high school. And so, anyway, we kind of ended our thing, and uh, she's a great girl. And I kept going to that church, though. Interesting. Uh, I kept going, and when I was 16 because they had kind of never stopped talking about it, I was baptized. You know, I, I kind of thought, hey, it's a good thing to do, right? And so I was baptized, and at that time, I professed faith. Like, I would have said, yeah, I mean, I'm a Christian. Um, but looking back, there was no real faith. I did not possess what they would call saving faith. Like, there was no true conversion, no real experience where my heart was truly changed, Right? Um, but if you had asked anyone in that church, the pastor, anybody in the pews, um, if you would ask them, hey, uh, is, Brian, is Brian a Christian? They would have said yes. And here's the sole reason why I was baptized. That's exactly how they would, they would have responded. That's exactly what they said. It's because I was baptized. And so what, this, what I called on over the years was like this was a church that believed that you were saved by something you do. Like, you were saved by works, right? Um, sweet people love them, um, but that's what they believe. And so I tell you that story because whether we are saved by faith alone, which is what I've been saying all semester, or uh, saved by works is still an issue today. Like, it's super divisive. I'm sure we could just kind of talk around the room and kind of our own experiences and backgrounds. Like, it's still divisive. Um, like you could go to towns and if you went with me I could show you yes that church and this church would be divided on this issue one would say yeah you're saved by faith alone and the other one would be like no you're saved by works right you're saved by faith plus something uh, some would say you're saved by faith alone some would say you're saved by faith and you need to speak in tongues what really uh, and so it goes on and on and on. And um, now just to be clear, I believe you're saved by faith alone. I've been saying it all semester. I think the Bible is overwhelmingly clear that you can't do anything to earn salvation. Like anything. Uh, like there's not a ritual, there's not a spiritual act you could go do right now uh, that you could perform that makes you, just automatically makes you right with God. However... Many Christians struggle with this. Even people who say, yeah, I believe you're saved by faith alone. Like, we still struggle with works. Um, this idea, like, they would agree with you, but, but at the end of the day, we often relate to God based on our works, our performance, things we do. And so, for example, let me um, just give you some examples, see if this sounds familiar with anybody. Uh, over the years, you know, I've met with hundreds of students, which I love, I've heard your stories, and I've talked to you about your spiritual life, um, or lack thereof, you know? And we've kind of processed stuff together. It's been sweet. I'm, thanks for letting me in on your story. Uh, and anyway, well, one of the things that I will ask 
I remember it was the first questions asked when I was a college student before I became a Christian. I'll ask people, hey, uh, how, how are you spiritually? Just to kind of kick her, just say, hey, man, how, seriously, how are you doing? Uh, and people, it's amazing. I can't think of one time people have responded differently. People have always responded this way to that question. They've always responded with what they do. With what they do, what they, how they perform, right? Uh, which is not always what I'm, that's not what I'm really asking for. Um, what they do, just, I want you to think about this. When you get to the end of the week, like you get to the end of your week, and you're evaluating your week spiritually, think about how you evaluate whether or not you had a good week spiritually, right? And it's typically stuff like this. When we're thinking, like if somebody asks you, hey man, how was your week spiritually? This is what we start doing. Uh, did, did I read the Bible? No. Uh, yeah, one day. Um, did I pray, right? Uh, how much did I read the Bible? Did I go to church? Did I sleep in? You know? Did I look at porn? Did I shotgun a beer? If I did shotgun a beer, how many beers did I shotgun? Because maybe I didn't get drunk, right? Um, maybe it's just a little, just one, right? So here's the thing I want you to just think about that. How would you answer that question? How would you say, evaluate your week spiritually? It's, it's hard if you stop and think about it. Like, it's hard to come up with something that isn't doing, that isn't performing, Right? That isn't about your action. Um, and that's a serious problem for us. It's a serious problem for me. Uh, and it's it, because it's so easy for us, and we're going to unpack this because Paul is just, he kind of just, I, I don't know if he's cussing in this passage. I wasn't there, but man, he's torqued. Um, like, it's so easy for us to believe we're saved by works, functionally, like on a heart level. Uh, for us to, and not only that, not only to believe we're saved by works, this is the kicker that this is where most Christians are, that we stay saved by works. It's where we live. Um, and Paul knows that. He knows we get it wrong. And so to combat this problem with works, Paul encourages us to remember a few things. And so we're just going to work through. The first thing he encourages us to remember is the cross. It's like the first thing he says. So, just look at verse 1. And just to give you a little background, Paul was converted by Jesus. He's given this special task to tell people, especially non-Jewish people, Gentiles, right? To go tell them about Jesus. Uh, And so he would go on these missionary journeys, at least three. Some people like to argue maybe four. Uh, He would go on these missionary journeys to do that. And on his first missionary journey, he goes to... Galatia, this, this place he's writing the letter to now, where people responded to the gospel like they received the Spirit, became Christians. And sometime after Paul like went there and did his thing and then left, these dudes show up. False teachers. That's all they get, right? Doesn't sound good. They show up and they start teaching the Galatian Christians and making them think that God's acceptance is based on works of the law, like their obedience, uh, doing certain religious and spiritual things. And so by doing these religious and spiritual things, it made them more acceptable to God. And so what the false teachers are doing, um, it, it like really messes with Paul. Like I think it might have given him diarrhea. I, I mean, it really frustrated him. Like seriously, he's about to burn the place down. You can just see it. 
Uh, he's mad. Look at verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Like, why is Paul so mad? And here's why. Because they're messing with the gospel. Like, they're messing with the message of Jesus. They're messing with these new Christians, right? Um, because God's acceptance of us is not about what we do. God accepts us entirely based on what Jesus did. I mean, look at that. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So in verse 1, Paul points them back to the cross. Like He's like, guys, you've got to remember the cross. These, what these people are telling you is real messed up. Um, and we are like them. Like We struggle with that dynamic. Like We struggle with works, thinking God accepts us based on our performance. You know, that, that God likes us. I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people like this. That God likes them more or less based on what they do. And if you're there tonight, this is what Paul would say to you. Oh, foolish Western students. Remember the cross. Have you forgotten so quickly? Right? Like, Jesus did it all. Like, he performed, he obeyed, he succeeded, he did it all. Like, you can't add anything to that. Like, I don't care how much you pray, it's not going to sweeten what he did. I don't care how much you go to church, those things are good, do them. But you're not going to sweeten, you're not going to add to anything he has already done, right? And so when we think that God accepts us based on what we do, we are essentially saying, and this is going to rock you a little bit, we are essentially saying... The cross isn't enough. Like, yeah, I know Jesus did a lot, but I gotta add, like, that somehow, some way, what Jesus did is deficient in some way. Like, we've got to add something to Jesus' work. And Paul would say, Oh, foolish people, remember the cross. He would also say, Remember your conversion, because that's the next thing he moves in. Like, uh, look at verses two and three. Paul moves from the cross to their own experience. Remember your conversion. Look at verse 2. Let me ask you only this. Did you re- he says, let me ask you only this. By the way, he asked five questions in the first five verses. I'm like, Paul, what? Sound like I'm talking to my kids. Were they just rapid-fire questions? I think that's time to think about the first one. Let me ask you only this. <laughs> Not, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now look at verse 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Like, did you catch that? Their their conversion was all about receiving, right? Not performing. Their conversion was all about hearing, not doing. It's very important. Like they, they didn't do anything. They put their faith and trust in Jesus. Hearing with faith. The Galatians heard a message. They heard the message of what Jesus had done for them on the cross. And they responded in faith. Like they believed Jesus did that for them. When Paul told them, hey, there's this guy. Let me tell you a story. Tells a story. Uh, they believed he did that for them. Like it changed 
their hearts. Uh, one pastor says, a Christian is not someone who knows about Jesus, right? Rather, a Christian is someone who has seen him on the cross. And here's what he's basically getting at. Um, a Christian is a person who sees not just that Jesus died, but that he died for them. Like, it gets personal. Like, you don't just know about Jesus, but, like, you really believe. Like, he died for you. Like, he took your place. It's super personal. Um, and then, let's talk about the last thing to remember. The last thing Paul encourages is to remember the gospel. Now, that's like Christian lingo, Christian buzzword, gospel. We throw it around a lot. It's good. It's in the Bible all over the place. Um, let's just briefly de- define that real quick. Gospel would be something like this. First of all, it's news. It's not instruction. Okay? It's news about what Jesus has done. It's actually very good news that God fulfilled his promises to rescue broken people. You, me, we're included in that. Okay, so that's the gospel. Look at verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So the false teachers are saying, Hey, uh, Galatians, glad you have faith. Um, in Christ, but now to remain acceptable to God, you need to live this way. You need to do this thing. You need to listen to this music. You need to read, get this particular Bible. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to remain acceptable, you need to do these things. Um, and, and that was easy for the Galatians to buy into because we buy into it. I mean, come on, how many Christian like gimmicks and fads are we going to buy into before we get tired of that stuff? Like, there's a new one every year. It's like, woo, yeah, I'm in. This is, this is going to make me read the Bible more. I got an app on my phone. I'm kidding. I actually do have an app on my phone. You got an app on your phone? Anyway. Uh, so anyway, we, we get into gimmicks. We get into those things. Uh, many people, I think, they believe. We, I think I was this guy. Like, we believe we are saved by faith, but to stay saved, we got to work really hard. Like, grace got me in, and now my performance is going to either keep me in or get me kicked out. And that's kind of we live on that treadmill. Uh, we begin the Christian life by faith, but then to grow, what do we do? Uh, it's, we start trying to figure out what rules we need to follow. Sometimes we create our own rules just to sweeten the deal, and we'll try to follow those, right? Uh, but that gives Paul heartburn, and he didn't have any acid reducers back in the day. So, like, he's an uncomfortable man right now with us. Like, he's really uncomfortable uh, the Christian, like, he's, he wants to shake people, but he's in another location, and so he's doing it with his words, right? Um, the Christian life begins and ends with the gospel. Like, you never leave it behind, ever. You never graduate from the gospel. Like, you grow by applying the gospel to every area of your life. Um, let me show you what I'm talking about. Look at verse 3. Are you so foolish... Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? The word perfected could also mean, it could also be completed, right? So think completion or perfection. Before you and I were Christians, those of us who are Christians, right? Before we became Christians, we trusted in all sorts of things 
to complete us, to perfect us, right? Um, like we did it, we, we did it through moral achievement, we did it through our relational achievement, we did it through athletic achievement, right? Just there's something that man, it, we were just good at. We felt great. It gave us confidence. It completed us, right? Um, we did it through effort. Like we tried to make ourselves feel complete. We would just work real hard. We'd find that thing, right? Whatever that thing is. It could be grades. If it's not grades, it could have been football. If it's not football, it could have been, you know, community service. If it wasn't that, it was something. I mean, we've gone on and on and on. Uh, we, we trust in those things. We look to those things. Um, so here in verse 3, Paul is like, you know that your salvation begun by the Spirit, right? Uh, are you now going to stay saved and grow spiritually through your own effort? That's essentially what he's just said. Um, one guy, there's an old pastor. He's like 90-something now, but if you ever get a chance to read some of his stuff or just listen to him, his name's Eugene Peterson. Just a great guy, lives in Montana, he's like 90-something, maybe 108, I don't know. Uh, He's so old. But Eugene Peterson describes verse 3 this way. I'm just going to read his quote to you. This is how he describes verse 3. For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. And he continues. If you aren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could complete it? Like you could perfect it. And here's what Paul's doing. He's like, guys, you've got to remember the gospel. Like remembering the gospel means you're going to spend the rest of your life abandoning and rejecting all the ways you used to try to complete yourself and all the new ways that you try to complete yourself. Right? Whatever that is. Uh, and rather, what you're going to have to do again and again is to remember the gospel like you are complete in Jesus. Like your completion comes from him alone. And maybe another way to put it is you are always acceptable because of what Jesus has done. Now I say that, you don't believe me. Because some of you are going to do something this week and you're going to feel real stupid about it. And you're going to just doubt everything I just said. You'd be like, there's no way God accepts me right now. You are always acceptable because of what Jesus has done, right? Um, And there is nothing that you could do to make you unacceptable. Nothing. Like, I hope that, like, just kind of just gets your mind going. Like, there's nothing you could do to make you unacceptable to God. Um... Like, that's the gospel. Because you don't live like that. You don't believe that. I don't believe that. You know? Like, I live on this treadmill of like, oh man, guilt, shame, performance, obedience, failure. And it's awful. And you do too because I hang out with you. And then we talk about it. And we all like hug and sing kumbaya or something. You know, and here's what I want you to hear. is you, Because of what Jesus has done, you are always acceptable. Right? Because it's not about you. But I don't want you to hear me say you can do whatever you want. Okay, I want to make sure I'm always clear. You tell a bunch of college students, you're always acceptable when they're like, woo! It's going down tonight! You know, like Jesus loves me no matter what, so I'm going to get shotgun 20 beers. 
I don't know. I saw a dude shotgun a beer a few days ago. It's hilarious. Um, anyway, <laughs> it was right, right in front of me, just like in a parking lot, like three o'clock. I was like, bro, you, we got to talk. You need Jesus. Um, so I don't want you to hear me say you can do whatever you want, okay? That, notice, notice verse 3 again. It says, the Spirit begun something in you. Uh, like, the gospel changes you. Faith changes you. Um, you know, what you believe changes you. And that's important because in the South, people say they believe all the time, and there is no change. Like, th- your life looks absolutely no different than the person who would say they don't believe, right? I mean, we're just as mean, we're just as judgmental, we get divorced just as much as people who say they don't believe, right? Like, if you really do believe, if you really are a Christian, there is significant, substantial change. doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. You're going to fall on your face at some point. You know, major face plant, spiritually speaking. But that's okay. I mean... You're, you're going to be different, right? Uh, so, we've got a problem. Let's wrap this up with works, because you're hot. I'm hot. I'm sweating up here. Like, thank you, you see. Somebody didn't pay the bills. <laughs> it's April. Let's turn all the heat in here. Anyway, save some money. All right, so we got this problem with works, right? Uh, we would much rather trust in our own effort and feel real good about our own effort. <laughs> Right? Like, give me a spiritual checklist. Give me some rules to follow. Like, we would much rather trust in some sort of checklist that we can do and manage than actually trust in Jesus. And so to combat this, Paul tells us to remember the cross, remember your conversion, like your own experience. It had, you, you were saved and it had nothing to do with you. Uh, and then he's like, remember the gospel. Um, remember the good news. Right? You've got to preach that to yourself every day. I read this uh, story recently. It just made me laugh because I'm a pastor and I've worked in churches, right? When I read this story, I was like, I know that lady. Uh, so this pastor was setting up for a meeting one night. And um, there was like, you know, setting up a meeting for some young people or whatever. They're coming. He's going to be teaching. And a, and a mom that's like super faithful is in the kitchen. She's like that mom that's always in the kitchen just helping, like a little, you know, just doing her thing. Little mama bear running around back there. And uh, she serves faithfully, just loves the ministry of the church, just plugging away. Well, she looks up at the projector where the pastor is up front, like looking through his slides, like double-checking his notes or whatever. And he, she saw his outline. And the outline of what he was going to be teaching, like his message, was on the unconditional love of God. That God loves us not based on our performance. Well, when she saw this, she stomps across the room and like gets in his face. And this is what she says, unbelievable. She said, my children are coming tonight, like her teenagers, uh, are coming tonight, and the last thing they need is another talk on grace. What my kids, I'm not done. What my kids need are more rules. I mean, that's from, that, is, that is from the pit of hell. That kind of thinking. It really is. And, and, and like Paul has heartburn over that kind of stuff. Like he's mad. Like he's like spitting, you know, just like just torqued about this. Like that is no good. 
She, and, and here's the thing. Like, we, we were, like, kind of blown away by that. But she's speaking our love language. Yes. Give me some rules. Like, give me a few I can manage. Give me something I can do. Uh, give me something I can perform. And see, here's the problem with rules, though. Um, they don't work. They don't. Like, rules are good. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Rules have no power, do they? Tell me the last time a rule changed your life, like changed your heart, like changed the way you lived, right? Rules have no power. Like her kids, the Galatians, you and I tonight, we do not need rules. We need a Savior, just like the Galatians. And that's who Paul is offering us here. He is not offering us rules. He is offering us a Redeemer who has come and who has loved you no matter what. That's good news. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the good news. You did come rescue broken people. I pray that... Your great love for us, even though we feel so unacceptable, um, Lord, you would change our hearts, that you, you would encourage us, you would give us hope, you would comfort us, that you would really meet us where we are. I pray in your name, amen.